Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. This is Lou Dobbs. President Biden is at the emergency NATO summit meeting in Brussels as the 30-nation alliance is meeting to plan their strategy to further sanction Russia for its war against Ukraine and for putting the alliance itself now at considerable risk. NATO has, for the first time in its history, activated the NATO response force and deployed 40,000 troops along the eastern flank of NATO, the Baltic states, Estonia, Lithuania, and Latvia, and Poland, Romania, Hungary, Slovakia, the Czech Republic, and Bulgaria. Welcome to The Great America Show. We thank you for joining us. Russians are continuing their onslaught against Ukraine. They've devastated the city of Maripol in southeastern Ukraine and killed thousands of its residents. The bombardment, the shelling of the entire country, and in particular Kiev and other major cities, goes on. The Russians may be stalled, but they are devastating city after city. Day after day, their attacks go on, killing and wounding thousands of Ukrainians now trapped in the madness and pain of war. Most are on the verge of starvation. Many have no drinking water. They're living in a hell of Vladimir Putin's making, and his army is unrelenting. Where is the help for these people? The United Nations isn't there. Neither is the European Union or NATO. But there are volunteers, volunteers from all over the world trying to help. And today we're talking with one of those brave and caring people who risk their lives each day to rescue the helpless. His name is Chad Robichaud. Chad and his wife, Kathy, founded a faith-based combat veteran service organization. It's called Mighty Oaks. Chad is a combat decorated Marine, force recon, eight tours in Afghanistan. Chad and his colleagues founded the group SaveOurAllies.org to go into conflict and battle zones to rescue Americans, our allies, and SIVs. Save Our Allies rescued 17,000 Americans and SIV Afghans from Afghanistan. He and Save Our Allies group are now helping and rescuing those who are wounded, often badly, in Ukraine. Chad Robichaud and Save Our Allies rescued a former colleague of mine, Fox News reporter and anchor Benjamin Hall. And Chad and his friends are still doing all they can to rescue as many as they can from Ukraine. And Chad, uh, if you will, give us a sense of uh, how you're feeling right now, uh, all that you're doing in Ukraine and uh, moving people, rescuing people. Uh, and yes, also uh, recovering uh, bodies and, and getting them out of Ukraine. Uh, your sense of things as, as you stand there today. Yeah, Mr. Dobbs. Uh, well, it's a, it's, 
every time I've been in a in you know war zones or uh, always uh, you look at the tragic things that you see and then you see a mixture of really great things at the same time uh, you know and um, I've always tried to make it a point to try to notice those things and so you see in such tragedy I mean we have a a world superpower uh, invading unprovoked uh, un- unprovoked invading uh, a, a neighboring nation in attacking civilians. I, I know for a fact that they're, they're attacking civilians. I spent the day today, we just got out 47 uh, disabled uh, persons that weren't able to self-evacuate. And um, and one of the gentlemen I was talking to, he's, his his father and brother were in the shelter with them and they just got bombed over and over uh, in a civilian shelter uh-huh. for days. And his father and brother were both killed. And so spending a day with people like that, seeing things like that, uh, seeing you know the uh, just deliberate attack on innocent life by a world superpower is 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 hard. But the beautiful thing I see in it is the world coming together outside of the governments, just people from all over the world showing up at the border, showing up at refugee centers, uh, bringing medical supplies, bringing food. Uh, I'm with a, a, a as a nurse here in town that just flew from flew from uh, Louisiana, and she just showed up and like, how can I help? And, and volunteering in the ref, in, in refugee centers, people just had the border. There was a man at the border I saw the other day, and I posted on my Instagram. He's standing on the border in the freezing cold, all day, all night, playing the piano that he drug from Germany, so that they could hear something beautiful when they come across, and I hear bombs and bullets. Um, so it's this mix of uh, just horrific things, and then humans there to just love and serve other humans and doing some beautiful things. So uh that's that's kind of what i'm seeing and it's and it's a mix of that every single day but the a sense of the security on the ground is the situation is getting worse and worse um and and the people are getting more and more desperate as well as you know both sides of the militaries and this thing is progressing and uh and the real victims is, is the ukrainian people the civilians are the number of casualties rising they are the number of casualties are rising not just from the bombings, not just from the bullets, but from the uh, from the starvation. Um, I mean, Russia, a city like Kiev right now is uh, the Ru- Russians have surrounded the city. Uh, they bombed the roads and, and routes in and out. So there's no way to get supplies in. There's no way for people to self-evacuate out. I mean, there is some ways, but it's very extremely dangerous. So people are scared and staying in place. And uh, there's no food. There's no water. There's no medical supplies. If you if you have if you're a diabetic and need insulin like many other life saving drugs, they're not available. I mean, um, major medications for trauma, uh, that's needed gauze and those types of things. They're not available. And, you know, it's, uh, people like us that say we're allies that are trying to get these things in to these areas. But I mean, there's only so much you could do. And so as the, the situation is getting worse, more people are dying. And again, it's not just bombs and bullets and, and it's deliberately yeah. starving and- people out, killing the infrastructure. And what are the temperatures there now? Uh, well, luckily, the last few days have been a little warmer. But uh, and I say it luckily because it was pretty brutal before. I mean, it getting down to like 10 degrees at, 10 degrees at night. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying not to complain myself. I mean, I'm choosing to be out here. But there's, uh, there's women and children that are trying to make it to the border in survival mode with only what they carry in their backs because they were driving a car and their car didn't have any fuel to make it. And then they're had no cell service so they're just a, a mom with kids and her husband's off fighting somewhere or a father or brother is off fighting somewhere so she's all alone and just trying to make it to the border 
through those kind of temperatures. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just a very brutal environment. Um, Ukraine is in the winter, winters in Ukraine are harsh. And, uh, and these people are trying to, you know, evacuate and survive. And then, I mean, I was, I was going in just, I was going in across the border into Ukraine just the other night. And this woman, uh, they're not allowed to, they're not allowed to walk back into Ukraine. You have to drive. So this woman asked for a ride in. So she wants to ride with us in because she had brought her kids out, but she wanted to go back and help. And so we drove her in and she's a young, you know, just normal woman. And she wants to go back in. And as we crossed the border, she got out of our vehicle and she started walking and uh, was walking back to wherever she was going to go to get back in. And I think a lot of people don't realize that these people, like 200,000, I think it's worth pausing on 200,000 Ukrainian men who are free in America and other parts of the world have flown back, went into Ukraine to, to be part of this fight. Wow. Uh, these people are so resilient and it's so moving to see them. I was in a, one of our houses in Ukraine the other, uh, just the other day with this, and this pastor who's really these pastors in this underground church are doing such amazing things to, to, uh, help people survive. It's like, it's literally like the things we see in world war two, where people are hiding safe houses, the networking to survive and, and to fight back. And this pastors, I was like, what do you think is going to happen? He's like, we will win because the Russians would have to kill every single one of us. Uh, they have to kill every single one of us to lose. And we're not, we're going to fight till the end. And he said, more and more people are coming back to fight and, uh, they're not going to give up and they're embarrassing. They're embarrassing Putin. And, uh, and, and because of that, you're seeing him make more irrational and desperate moves, which is going to um, have catastrophic effects. At some point he's going to, they're going to do something that's going to, I, I fear, I hope I'm wrong with this. I fear it's going to make the you know, United States or NATO have to be involved because of uh, chemical weapons or because of um, violating article five of NATO and, 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 you know, uh, them harming a, a NATO mem- member of NATO, which we know they already have. But the the, the your effort uh, under your group, save our allies. You you have seen a great deal. Uh, whether it was rescuing uh, seventeen thousand people in Afghanistan, whether it's your services uh, as, as force recon and the Marine Corps which for those who don't know is the special uh, forces, uh, the Green Berets of the of the Marine Corps. Uh, eight tours, uh, what you're watching now, what you've seen in Afghanistan. Uh, give us your reaction to the, to the bravery that you're seeing, the courage of the Ukrainian resistance and Ukrainian military, the Ukrainian people. Well, you know, like over the last, since August, I've seen some of the uh, most I've been around some of the bravest human beings that have been in my life. I, I did, like you said, I was a force recon Marine and I went to JSOC, Joint Special Operations Command, and did eight deployments to Afghanistan. And, and uh, Aziz, who was my interpreter, we did eight deployments together. And uh, I, not just as my interpreter, but as my friend and as my teammate, the two of us worked independently together. I lived in his home like he was my brother. And I love this guy. And he saved me multiple times, saved my life literally uh, multiple times. And, uh, and I, I mean, uh, seeing all that in combat, and I've seen some amazing things in combat, but to see uh, just human beings voluntarily going back to these environments, to Afghanistan, uh, where we were in August, in, in September, October, November, 
and, and what I'm seeing here in Ukraine is just the volunteers, the people uh, in Afghanistan, Afghans are going back and helping Afghans in Ukraine, Ukrainians going back and helping Ukrainians, people choosing to stay, women choosing to stay. It's been the, one of the most inspiring, bravest things I've ever seen in my life in any, any battle I've been in. I mean, uh, going back to Afghanistan, for me, it was going to get my friend. I had to go get Aziz and his family. Um, I got 12 of my most trusted special operations veterans together, and we put together a team. We got Aziz and his family. Ultimately, we were able to continue on and save 17,000 people. Uh, but that was with the, the help and assistance of Afghans and people from around the world who stepped up. And uh, we knew we had to do that here again here in Ukraine. And, and uh, I tell you, the, the guys I'm, I'm sitting here that aren't, be, aren't able to talk and do an interview like this because uh, because of their current careers and not being known who they are, but sure. I, I represent them. And they're some of the most brave, bravest, not only the bravest, the most intelligent human beings I've ever seen that are able to conduct, you know, real world precision rescue operations. Um, and I think a lot of times people see us doing this, see veterans doing this and like, what are these guys doing? They're out there as cowboys, you know, trying to relive the glory days. That's not what this is at all. The highest level of professionals, uh, most the guys who we have leading us currently do this for the government, uh, working outside the capacity of government right now, but currently do this for the government as, as precision rescue operatives from all special operations backgrounds and are the best in the world at doing this. And that's why we were able to save 17,000 out of Afghanistan. That's why we're able to do what we're doing right now as high, like very high level professionals, but some of the most incredible human beings I've ever been around. And it's really been a privilege to, to work with them. And I think one of the was mentioned by nickname uh, on Fox news, uh, sea spray. And he's, um, he's kind of leading our efforts here right now. And just one of the most incredible human beings you could ever meet. Well, I, you mentioned it, uh, Fox, uh, I, a former colleague, I worked there. Uh, I'm, I'm now a veteran of Fox, uh, but I had the pleasure of working with a, a, a bright young reporter by the name of Benjamin Hall, who I know was uh, seriously injured uh, there uh, with and two of his crew killed. Uh, and I know as well that you are one of those who helped uh, get uh, Benjamin out of uh, out of uh, out of there. Can you tell us uh, about that uh, and what was necessary to to extract them? Well, we were we were uh, planning an operation. You know, one of the things that we we uh, believe that's very important is not just rescuing people, but have a sustainable network to do that. Uh, we were working on building communications, uh, communication infrastructure through the throughout Ukraine. Uh, so if the Russians knock down cell power we can maintain communications with uh, those who need to be need help uh, as well as, you know, provide medical supplies forward. So we're here planning an operation. We're about to launch uh, in the go across border and, and, and we're about to launch and go across border. And as we are about to leave, we got a call. Um, I, I won't say who we got the call from. Right. We had a call that, that Benjamin Hall was just wounded and suspected that his, uh, his other, teammates were killed or, or taken uh, at the time we didn't know they, they had died it wasn't confirmed uh, so we really knew we had three that was involved in that attack and two other reporters that were that were counted for but in a different location and uh, within 30 minutes we were out of the door and uh, and driving across the border uh, in the middle of the night for many hours to get to this location um, very coordinated uh, we were able to coordinate very quickly and plan uh, how we we're going to do it well 
we all thank you for what you're doing. Uh, talk about incredible bravery and strength. You epitomize it, you and your colleagues there. Uh, and we all are deeply in your debt. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, I, I tell you, we, we all, every one of us feel privileged. We had the opportunity to be out here and doing this. This is something that in our generation, I don't think anything this has like happened in our generation. So to be here, be here and be able to participate in trying to make a difference, uh, feel something that we have the honor of doing and uh, not just to help these people, but we also believe, and I think many people believe this is the front line to prevent a World War III. If we could empower the Ukrainian people to be able to defend their land, uh, it is the it is the the line in the sand for for a potential global war. And uh, I think everyone here feels that. I, I didn't understand that, even with all my military experience and you know the time I spent in the military around around conflict, I didn't get that until I came here. It's when you go here and see what they're doing to the Ukrainian people, you realize how serious the situation really is. Just the video that we do see, uh, those of us who are sitting in the United States, for example, uh, it, it's horrific just to see what the effect of the bombing has been, the bombardment, the shells, uh, the missiles and rockets that have torn up uh, every city that we, we look at uh, from, the, from the south to the northeast to the west of Ukraine. Uh, it seems there's nothing being spared. I, is that the case? It is. It is. It's, uh, I mean, and even even outside of Kiev, I was in a, I was in another city, uh, uh, Chernobyl, and and uh, it hadn't been hit yet. But the feeling of of sitting there, I, I, I'm in the city. I'm in this safe house, and and I'm there, and and this is a place where people are going to, they're they're going to work and having lunch, and their kids are playing in the park, and and the, the kids are walking to school. And I was talking to neighbors there, and. And now it's just this, of course, it's Eastern Europe, so the skies are gray and it's dark and it's cold and, and uh, it's just desolate. And the powers, the power goes out at, at dark because they don't want lights on for bombings and the, the, the air raid sirens go off. It's just such an eerie feeling to that to be in a, in a sovereign nation in a place like, like where you live, like where I live in Texas. Like this is like, this isn't a, Afghanistan uh, this is you know a very a very modern modernized country and 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 this isn't the Taliban attacking them this is a Russia a superpower and, and no one they all know no one is coming to help them not a government in the world is going to come to help them that's what they believe in fact the people in Poland are even scared like because they know because they know it not a government in the world is going to help the Ukrainian people and and, and Russia the Russians know that and uh, and that just gives it a, such a sense of of hopelessness, and, and it just amplifies the situation because you know, even our team. I mean, we know like if something happens to us, no one's none of our old teammates could come and get us. No one is coming. Like this is it's off limits, and you know the president of the United States has said it, uh, NATO has said it. Uh, they're not going to go and help. Let me ask you, Chad. Makes it a I, I I hope that I hope that you're wrong. That if you do get in trouble, that and I think you, I, I pray that you are, uh, because you're the kind of man who uh, deserves uh, it, it, as good as you've given. And uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm right in this one. Uh, I, I sure pray that I am. What is your sense of how this is resolved? Uh, the, the, to the credit of the Ukrainians, 
they have managed to stave off the Russians for a, a, for almost a month now when no one gave them more than a few days. I won't say no one. Most military area analysts said no more than a few days could they hold out against the modded Russian army uh, and military. Uh, but here we are approaching a month of, of bombardment, uh, every kind of uh, weapon fired at them imaginable, uh, short of nuclear, and I don't even want to say that. Uh, what do you think it takes to, to resolve this? Yeah. You know, um, one, one is it, it's very difficult to predict what's going to happen because you can't predict the, the actions of a, of, a, of a lunatic. And that's what you know, Putin is acting like a lunatic right now. We always thought he was calculated. We always thought he was strategic. And people always said he's every move he makes, he's calculated as a chess player. Uh, we're not seeing that right now. I mean, we're seeing uh, someone unhinged, in, in my opinion. And that's that's what, you know, the, that's what uh, the Ukrainians believe, believe as well. And uh, but I think I would have thought the same thing. Like, there's no way that Ukraine Ukraine's gonna last more than a few days. But here they are. And look, you look at you look at history uh, of uh, of Russia. I mean, I, I don't want to underestimate and say they're a paper tiger, but they couldn't take Afghanistan. And yeah. uh, and 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 here they are in Ukraine. And in many cases, in many in many perspectives, they're they're losing. Uh, they're getting their butts kicked, and they're outmanning and out and out. Uh, they have more technology, more weapons, more manpower, but they're getting their their butts kicked, and um, and it, it's really it's inspiring and impressive. And and the reason why is I, I believe it comes down to the will of the people. I don't believe the Russian soldiers, the morale's there, the desires there. They have nothing individually to gain as soldiers on the on the in the trenches fighting. Uh, many of them have been lied to while they were while they were going there. Some were told they were going to to uh, train with the Ukrainian people. Some were told they were going there to liberate the Ukrainian people. Some were told they were going there to attack. Uh, so a lot of them are confused why they're there. They don't want to be there. Many of them are choosing jail over fighting, and uh, and there. So then you look at the other side, and the Ukrainian people are like like that pastor. You're you're if if you're going to have to kill every single one of us. Uh, people are flying from America to come and fight, uh, and then you got the you know the fifty year old lady who's like could leave that leave Ukraine, but she's not. And she's like, I, I'm not a soldier, but you come in my yard, I'm going to stab you through your chest with a pitch, pitchfork. They're like willing to fight for their land, and there's something about the willingness to fight. We've seen it in Afghanistan. I've seen it yep. in eight deployments to Afghanistan. Like why the why these guys keep fighting? We're we're freaking blowing them up in their caves. They, they their will to fight. For the Taliban, I hate to say it because they were our enemy, but their will to fight was impressive. That's the one thing we we're always impressed with. Like these guys, they're going to fight, and uh, and we didn't see that in Iraq, but we saw it in Afghanistan, and uh, and that's what we're seeing here. We're just seeing a will to fight, and and I I think now I didn't believe this when I came here. I think now the Ukrainian people, if we empower them and support them through the NGO community, through organizations like Save Our Allies that are doing what we're doing. Uh, if some, I mean, I'm, I'm no fan of our current administration, um, and, but, but um, if, if they are able to support them uh, financially, I, I'm not, I, I am not for us jumping into a war. Um, I, I'm certainly no, no uh, I, I've been in a, a, a brown enough war to say I'm not an advocate of trying to avoid that at all costs. So if we can empower the Ukrainian people 
before we'd have to intervene, that was, that's what I'd like to see done. And uh, so I, if the administration does that, I'd, I'd be really happy to see that because I, I believe that if we just get behind the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian military, uh, they could do this themselves. And uh, I, I, but I wonder right now how long the, the, the Ukrainian people can hold out. You talked about the food. You talked about the starvation, the thirst, uh, water supplies, medical. Uh, and we're hearing reports as well that the Russians have in one report that the Russian troops have only three days of food. Uh, and do you see an effort being made to get food supplies to uh, the Ukrainian people? Is there that possibility? You talked about Kiev uh, being, uh, being surrounded. Uh, can we move stores of uh, staples, goods, food, uh, into, uh, ammunition into, uh, in for the uh, Ukrainian people? You know, we can, but the only people here doing it right now is, is the NGOs or the nonprofits. Uh, the governments are not. And, uh, you know, the World Health Organization still hasn't even shown up here uh, in, in Eastern Europe. The World Food Organization uh, has been here for a month, but they hadn't delivered one bit of food. Uh, so, um, What about other agencies of the United Nations? Are they present? They're, they're present, but no one has, from my observation, and I'm pretty involved in the network here, right. The, there has not been a government effort from the United Nations or NATO. It, the only efforts that have been moving forward past those borders have been the NGO community, organizations like Save Our Allies, uh, uh, Samaritan's Purse um, has done an incredible job here. Uh, so many, and there's so many of them, I couldn't name them all, but that's who's helping. And, uh, and, and we're getting it done, but imagine the scale if the governments of the world will contribute in this way. Um, and I don't think the Ukrainian people are asking uh, for them to come and fight. I mean, I've, I've heard it from government officials like, hey, we'll fight our war, just support us. Um, and I, I believe if we could support them and empower them, and then they could, because, you know, Russia, the Russians are facing the same thing. Their logistics, their logistics is terrible. Their tanks are running out of gas. They're, they're running out of food. They're running out of water. They've done a terrible job with their logistical training to support this, this war effort. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to draw a parallel I, I, because I want to know how you personally, uh, your emotions, as you see the, the bravery, the will to fight. Uh, I, I think of all of the countries where our forces have been in the world and supporting regimes that didn't want to fight, couldn't put together an army that wanted to fight. I'm thinking particularly of Iraq. Uh, uh, I'm thinking of watching uh, those uh, uh, C-17s uh, trying to, taking off empty in uh, Kabul, uh, and uh, the thousands of Americans who were left behind. Are, what are those emotions like for you right now as you're standing uh, where you are? Yeah, I mean, just as not even as a military person, just as a human, it, it just makes it makes me angry. I mean, uh, I, I believe, and I always have believed, that America is, is is better than than what we're doing right now. I mean. Uh, when we left, when when I was in doing the rescue operations in Afghanistan, and we and we were done after ten days, and that the military pulled out of Hichkaya Airport, and our team was there uh, doing those evacuations. We had we had in that week we had got twelve thousand people out, and uh, and when that when the military left, we said there's still Americans there, 
And yeah. we watched the White House, the White House say there was 100 to 200. We knew, we knew firsthand that there was at least 5,000. And our team felt there's no way we could get on a plane and go home and leave Americans here. Because where I come from in the military, it doesn't matter if there's one, not 100 or 5,000. It doesn't matter if there's one, if there's one American anywhere in the world, even if they did something stupid like Birdall, that we're going to scorch the earth to go get them. We will turn over every, use every bit of military power and strength to go get them because that's what America does for their fellow Americans. And uh, so it was unconscionable for me to see our government make a decision. For politics aside, it doesn't matter you know, what people's political views are or what administration's in office. It's not okay for us to do that. And we stayed and we got another 5,000 people out, including about an, over another 100 Americans out, just us. Uh, and there was a lot of other people doing similar work. And then, uh, and then to see that here, to see there's Americans uh, trapped in Kiev right now um, that want to get out, but they're scared to move. Um, and uh, our government's not going to do anything. Um, and, then, and then take out the American factor and just the innocent human life being targeted by a superpower nation. Uh, personally, I, as an American, regardless of what nation they're from, I'm not okay with that. And what I see a lot on social media right now and, and I hear in the news is, is that the kind of the painting of Ukraine of not being a just nation of have corruption and not being a good people. And Zelensky, I don't care if Zelensky is a good guy or a bad guy. I really don't care. I don't care if Ukraine's a good country or a bad country. I care about uh, innocent human life that in this modern world has no place to have to live in fear of a world superpower uh, coming after them with bombs and rockets and tanks. One of my friends on this team right here is sitting in the room next to me right now, drove past a tank that had been shot probably a minute before him. The tank was still smoking. There was still flames on it. There was bodies hanging out of it. And as he drove past that tank, there was two civilian cars blown up with bodies everywhere off of it. Just two civilian vehicles. I mean, there's just this is in this modern world that should not be okay yeah. it should not be okay with the nato with the un and with the united states of america it should not be okay and uh and i just believe that we need to there needs to be a stronger position taken on it we need to support the ukraine yeah. ukraine uh military empower them to be able to defend themselves i think one thing that we all could do is uh save our allies where can we uh send a dollar or whatever uh, to help yeah, so you save and, and everybody else. Yeah, so saveourallies.org is the website. And, uh, you know, everything we do, uh, is, unfortunately right now, is very extremely expensive to do these type of operations. Uh, and every dollar is, is literally 100% of it is going to save human lives. I mean, this morning I was able to move 47 uh, disabled people who didn't have the ability to evacuate themselves. That's the type of people we're... Um, kind of focus on our evacuation side. We're putting communications infrastructure in place. So when the cellular system goes out, when the power goes up, we can still communicate, move medical supplies forward uh, to help replenish these medical supplies. And we need support to do it. Uh, everyone feels like they want to do something right now. The best thing people could do is spread the word uh, and, um, and support financially so we can get, uh, continue to help and support the Ukrainian people. And... The address is saveourallies.org. Uh, the missions that Chad Robichaud and his colleagues are carrying out are 
tremendously important, uh, requiring not only money, but the strength, the, uh, the courage of Chad Robichaud and his team, which is exemplary. Uh, and, you know, Chad, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to share with us what's going on right now uh, from your location. Uh, it is really eye-opening and uh, difficult uh, just to hear uh, what those people are going through, what you're going through, and all that are doing, who are doing so much uh, for those people. Uh, I, I'm going to see what you think of this. I'm, I'm going to urge everyone listening to talk to their representative, their congressman. Uh, I, I'm one of those folks who, I, frankly, I'm not sure always that our, our Congress or our senators are worth much but they ought to be worth this much. And that is call in and write them a letter and tell them to get some supplies and food and help to those folks in Ukraine. Do you think that's a reasonable idea? Yeah. I think it's not only a reasonable idea, it's, it's, it's necessary. And uh, America could and should do it. And, uh, and uh, so as well as other nations around the world, including NATO. You know, you would think that the people of Europe would have already done that. Uh, th we're talking about neighbors, and that's troubling that that, that hasn't happened in Europe. But uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, 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 uh, I can say that, you know, we hadn't seen it from the governments, but uh, I, I, the European people, um, and I said this earlier, had just really moved my hearts. Um, you know, when you come across that border, uh, fighting for your life to make across that border, the first thing they're going to be welcomed with is a, a giant pile of jackets, uh, people lighting barrels of fires just so they get people could get warm. Uh, there was a, a couple of guys from India that came in and they're cooking rice and, and cauliflower curry. You get a hot bowl of curry right when you come across the border. So people from around the world, including European people, are there welcoming uh, their neighbors. But um, that's just their fellow humans, not their not their neighboring countries. Yeah. And uh, and I really any any anybody from those neighboring countries in the in the government, I really challenge you to step up and do the right thing, and uh, and help your help your neighbor, uh, help help the Ukrainian Ukrainian people, and the governments have the power to do that. Absolutely, and people have the power uh, to do a great deal, as uh, you were demonstrating, and everyone else uh, there uh, in Ukraine. Uh, Chad Robichaud, we uh, we appreciate it so much. Uh, Chad is the, the, the chairman, the head of uh, SaveOurAllies.org. We urge you to support him and his organization and all of the others there trying to help those who need it most in Ukraine. Uh, a, a difficult time is such a, a ridiculous understatement in Ukraine for those people. Uh, they're fighting for their lives uh, and for their homeland. Uh, do what you can. We will... Uh, won't do nearly as much, not a fraction as much as Chad uh, and save our allies, but at least we can do something. Uh, you, we have a tradition on this show that we always give our guests the last word, Chad. So if you will, please. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I don't know who's listening out there. A few people of prayer uh, or not, but um, you know, money's great and we need it. We need all the financial support, but you know, I, I'd ask everyone listening to you know, come to their knees in prayer. Uh, for these people, um, for our team, for the safety of our team, but more, more than more importantly than for us is, is for, for these people. Um, I, I believe in the power of prayer and uh, God's hand over the situation. So, 
and so do we. And we will be praying uh, for you and all of those people who need uh, strength. Chad Robichaud, thanks for your time. And I know this is uh, difficult and uh, we greatly appreciate everything you're doing and for taking the time to talk with us today here on The Great America Show. God bless. God bless. Chad Robichaud. The organization is SaveOurAllies.org. We can all help Chad and SaveOurAllies.org. They're brave folks. God bless and protect them all and do what you can. Tomorrow, our guest will be Dr. Peter McCullough, a strong voice for science and freedom in this pandemic. Please be with us. Till then, God bless you and God bless America. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.